Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Hello, lovely listeners. Just to remind you that this is part two of our conversation with Great Answer. So don't forget to check out the last episode for part one. As you may know, if you did listen to part one, the interview took place right in the middle of my horrid battle with COVID. So I wasn't able to join, but I'm thrilled that we got the chance to share this episode with you. Great. Today we are on a podcast about rope and we cannot not acknowledge the fact that you ran a podcast about rope for a really long time. So how did that I get did? started? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I believe right. you did. Um, yeah. Well, so that's a... It is, it is Loki and Jim Duvall's fault. Okay. Um, what did they do? They talked a lot. And they talked a lot about how great the Seattle rope scene was and how great the um, Florida rope scene was. Loki was in Florida back then and everything. And oh, yeah. And then we also had um, people in New York, the New York rope scene. Uh, talking about how great the New York rope scene was and everything that was talking about online about the rope scene was all on the coast, constantly Mm -hmm. on the coast, constantly on the coast. And um, I I was jokingly and also a little bit for real kind of frustrated. I'm like, we got some good stuff going on here. We started doing stuff at this place called Galleria Domain in Chicago. Um, There was a a budding rope scene that turned into ShibariCon in Chicago um, going on. Uh, a guy named Mortis was teaching all kinds of people, including me, Rigor Mortis. Um, yes, that is the person who taught me rope bondage in Thailand. Really? I can believe that. Yeah, I can totally believe that. We, we come from the same lineage, my Apparently friend. Apparently we do. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was going out. And so right about that time, Wired Magazine came out with this issue that was had Adam Curry from MTV fame on the cover. Um, and I read about this thing called podcasts that was going on. Mm-hmm. Now, just to be clear, at the time, there were a little over 200 podcasts in existence. Okay, that number okay. has slightly increased since it just a bit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we had to hand, you know, I'm like going to get into the whole grandpa thing, you know, we had to hand code our own RSS feeds and we had to make our own tags. And we're very, you know, and walk through the was, snow without shoes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, it was, it was really the kind of the wild west. And, and for a while I was the, uh, well, for a long time, I was the only rope bondage podcast. And for a while, I was in charge of all of the alternative sexuality podcasts. And I was like the liaison between them and 
Adam Curry and stuff like that. Not for very long, but it, but at the time when they were when they were trying to figure out how to regulate things or if they were going to regulate things, um, it was happening. This is all this is all before Apple got into the podcast game. Because mm-hmm. when Apple got into it, everything changed. Um, but anyway, so I. <laughs> I started doing a podcast and I decided that I was going to do it. It, it started out as Rope Weekly. Yep. And uh, you probably uh, maybe learned this the hard way. Maybe you were smarter than I was and didn't have to learn the hard way. Um, but you decided to, I discovered that doing Rope Weekly was too much to do. It's, it's a lot. It's a big commitment. It's, it's a big commitment, right. Um, so instead, I uh, just called it the Rope Cast. I tried to do it twice, uh, twice a month, semi-successfully. Um, interestingly, two weeks after I did it, uh, I started it out. Cunning Minx saw me. Like I, I started the first one. I'm literally sitting in Cunning Minx's living room on her coffee table. She saw me doing it um, and said, wow, that doesn't look that hard at all. And so she started a much more successful podcast called Polyamory Weekly. Okay. Uh, which is still going and has zillions of listeners and, and is uh, amazing quality and stuff like that. So you were an inspiration um, again, you know, I, I, my, my purpose is as either inspiration or cautionary tale hmm. and that is okay. Um, so yeah, that, that's how that started. Um, and an interesting thing, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know if you ran into this. Um, cause you talk to a lot of really knowledgeable people. Like you talk to some, some people that really, really know their shit. Do you find that people tend to give you more, um, credit for more knowledge than you actually possess because of your association with those people? Uh, that's interesting because Maya and I are mostly active in the Thailand scene and those mm-hmm. people who are quite famous on the American scene or the international scene, no one that we run into at parties here knows who they are. Oh, that's wow. That's so ironic. I'm so, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm both delighted and I'm, I feel like I should say, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I quite like yeah. it. I um, like incognitos here. Yeah. Uh, it, that, that's really funny. Actually, uh, one of my very good friends, the person who introduced me to my partner, uh, uh, Natasha is um, is currently uh, in Thailand, traveling oh, around and stuff. I so I, connect I, I may want to I may want to see you connect with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what I found happened. Um, I got to do a lot of a lot of interviews. It opened a lot of doors because back then podcasts were again unusual, mm-hmm. uh, and I got to meet a lot of my heroes. Uh, and make friends with them. Um, and uh, people like Twisted Monk and Midori and Lokai and, you know, Jim Duvall and, um, you know, Melina Williams. Uh, yeah, Delano, Delano Bound, uh, Michelle Sirchuk, all, all kinds of people. Did I already mention Midori? I think I mentioned Midori already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, there were also some really touching moments um uh there was someone named i don't know if you're familiar with the name maria shadows i am Um, not at the moment no um so she was a partner uh uh, photography and shooting partner with uh a guy named lou rubens who was one of Mm -hmm. the 
original pinup things. And, and uh, among other things, she had this iconic um, thing of where there was a, a piece of bamboo suspended high in the sky, and she is tied with her legs in a, a horizontal split hanging upside down. Um, it's been done many times since then, but as far as I know, as far as we know, she was the, the first one. And, and I got to interview Maria Shadows um, in D.C., uh, and it was shortly before she passed away from cancer. And I was okay. the last interview that she did. Um, and there's another um, another friend of mine uh, here who's big here in the Madison scene. And uh, he passed away. And there was one time that I had his his partner called me up and said, hey, you know, Gray, it's having a really rough time missing this person. Um, could you could you send me the link to the podcast just so I could hear his voice one more time? Oh. And I just like, you know, rip my heart out, throw it on the floor. You know, yes, of course. And so so to some extent, I felt like I was uh, being a part of an oral history of yeah. the rope scene. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think if someday archaeologists wonder how rope bondage came to be in the 20th century, not being funny, what you created will be one of the major records of all of that history. I should probably gather it up and put it back online then, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> um, I, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd yeah. be keen to have your whole archive. You were yeah. very kind to uh, provide quite a lot of episodes so we could prepare this interview. And if you have more, I would gladly yeah. uh, take them and do my part in preserving them. I I appreciate that. Um, and I should probably, before everybody start listening to this, goes, wait a minute, there's another Rope Bondage podcast and goes <laughs> off looking for it. Um, it does, it, it is not possible to get it right now. Okay. Um, mainly because... Uh, like I stopped doing it when I stopped doing the other, um, you know, when the, as, as some of the other parts of my rope journey faded away. Mm -hmm. um, but it also just uh, became uh, uh, financially onerous to maintain the, uh, the, the hosting and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I was just going through some lean times and, you know, you got to make cuts, you can make cuts. Um, it is honestly my hope that, you know, I gave you some of the, the lost episodes. Yep. Um, and then it is my hope that somebody somewhere has a uh, more of, a, of an archive. There are collectors everywhere um, of various things. And, um, you know, I do have some on various hard drives and things like that, mm -hmm. but it's not a, it's not in a, a solid backup. Um, and now that I am in, better financial straits. I would very much love to, you know, put them back up just as an archive um, or an adjunct to, to what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, maybe we could work something out and do it together, but I think it would be very valuable to, to have that be preserved. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us 
and you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. I got to tell you, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna toot your horn for a second. I was so delighted when I came across your your podcast and um, so delighted that it's uh, that you and Maya are doing it together and and that you are bringing in these people some of whom have been on the Ropecast as well. Um, and uh, you're continuing that. You you are very good at what you do. Um, you, you're a very good interviewer. Uh, the two of you play off each other well. And um, yeah, I, I look at this as being one of those things where I'm like, wow, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore because they do it better than I did it, which is great. So thank you, Greg. That means a lot to us. Uh, how long did you do the Ropecast for? Um, that's a good question. I I had starts and stops. Um, I believe that it really, I, I did it from 2005. I believe it stopped in 2017. I think it was for 12 years. Okay. Um, I think the 2017 was when I finally really hung it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there, there it, it was a, uh, it was sort of a slow fading away. Like, you know, I'd go over, sometimes a, a month or two months even without posting anything. And then I'd go to an event and I'd manage to put together a podcast and do it. But hmm. uh, um, certainly when I was doing things like uh, rope craft, the events and things like that, um, those seemed to take priority. All right. That, that makes sense. Did you uh, ever encounter any issues with censorship or any kind of backlash due to the fact that you were doing this? Um, not, oh, <laughs> uh, yes and no. Um, censorship, no, not really. One of the benefits of being a podcast, at least then, and then I think now too, is that you know you could do a podcast about anything. Mm-hmm. Like you could talk about anything and uh, you didn't have to worry about swearing or anything like that. Um, I wasn't trying to get like on the Disney Channel podcast network or anything like that. So I didn't run into anything there. Um, in fact, there were uh, back in the early days, um, because podcasts were so few and far between as one of the uh, new ones, like I, I was invited out to Vegas for a podcast convention and like, uh, I think it was the Blueberry Network, um, like, took us in a limo, me and Cunning Minks, you know, and places, and I got to hang out with Chris Brogan, who still is a, a, a big business consultant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, you know, at the time, it was um, very much vetted, and I settled into my niche, and uh, within the community, it was very well received, so I didn't really have any problems. The only time that there really was backlash was during some of the uh some of the drama and i realized that now the rope community does not have any more drama they've outgrown that and there's no more drama anywhere everyone just gets yeah along. now everyone loves uh, everyone but, but and that, they just hug and it's it's a right. beautiful word out there nobody has any arguments about anything um we and, and i'm really glad we 
to completely did away with consent violations as well, because that was a bummer. Yes. And now it no longer exactly. happens. Slash sarcasm. Uh-huh. Exactly. I tried. Um, but yeah, and that was that that's exactly it, is that um there were some consent violation issues that happened around Shibara Khan. This was I think 2013. Um and I was accused, among other things, of of doing this stuff uh, as an attention work, you know, okay. to try and try and uh, get more attention for myself. Um, I was accused. The person who had uh, uh, committed the violations um, was. I, I was I was accused by one of his students of doing this just so that I could steal his material and okay. steal all of his classic his his stuff, um, which I found very funny. Um, People have weird nothing. ideas sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that was a very big uh, thing. There was a a schism, and that was when I stopped. I had to leave an event that I loved, which was Shibari Khan. Mm -hmm. Um, and step away from it. Um, and, quite sad. Uh, it was, it was. Um, but, uh, I mean, and, and it was, it was not fun. I, I was at the time full time rope guy all the time. Hmm. So I never had to, whereas some of the people that were still concerned had to kind of do things anonymously and sort of not be out there. And like, I, you know, I could be front and center and be the target for, you know, people who disagreed and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it was tough. And there was a lot of backlash, like you say, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of harshness on FetLife. Um, and not the only time that we had things happen on FetLife, but definitely the worst one. Um, but. That was also the time when, in particular, the cohort of people who helped me run the first open space at Shibaricon, the first uh, open space, as we mm -hmm. called them, um, there were eight people there who just gave me so much support and had my back um, uh, so much that um, I ended up getting the symbol of the the event tattooed on my back. Whoa. Uh, just so that I would I would never never forget them. And that 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 symbol itself uh, is actually kind of funny because the symbol looks like um, think of shoulders, arms and crossed arms and back. Okay. Uh, for a GK and then put a stem and then the two cross ropes across it. And this is all stylized lines. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're part of uh, the logo for the GRU itself, which was designed by um, A, who is a wonderful artist and an organizer of other events. Probably the best badass organizer I've ever met from any event. Anyway, she had done that. She donated it to the GRU um, and I got that on my back. But when you have just that symbol, it looks like it is some kind of, you know, kiragana or something. It looks like it's some kind of, and people are like, oh, what does the symbol on your back mean? Mm. And it's like, well, it means that my friends have my back. Oh, and that's, that's all I'd say. And I, and I don't have to worry about somebody being like, 
you know, that thing on your back actually means, you know, wonton soup, soup. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, it's, uh, it's definitely there. So Gray, you were very connected to the world of rope for a very long time. Uh, and I'm not trying to make you feel old right now, uh, both through the podcast that you did and through the events you organized and attended. How have you seen the world of rope bondage evolve over that time from when you started getting uh, into it? And I knew you were going to ask this question. This is the one question. This is the one part of the interview that's going as I expected because I was in, in the car driving like, what kind of question he's going to ask me how things yeah. changed? Yeah, for sure. Um, you are so, a rope historian. I have I have to yeah, tap that resource. I am rope history. <laughs> um, the uh, the biggest thing is got to be the amount of education available. Okay. Uh, it is it is so easy to and, and by easy, yeah, I, I will call it easy because yeah, there are different things that cost different amounts of money. And so to some extent, there's still that kind of gatekeeping, the whole capitalist gatekeeping kind of thing. Um, but it's possible uh, to find either, you know, well, a lot of variety of styles on like Kink Academy. Um, you can find, uh, I can't remember what the name of the, is it Shibari Lessons that's mm -hmm. on from Europe? Yeah. Um, and then they have such great production values. Like, you know, they, they have like a, a side camera showing the hands while there's another camera, hmm. you know, multi-camera shoots and things. Um, you have so many books coming out um, and, and that have come out uh, and you have more and you have uh, small groups and you have people willing to talk about it. And I think, and this is where I, I got in the community as much. I know that back in the day, I'm going to say that, put it that way. Like I could be walking down the hallway at a convention and I'd pass Lee Harrington mm -hmm. and I'd say, Hey Lee, can you show me how you did that particular Bula Bula handcuff? And uh, he would say, yeah, sure. I can do that. And he just stopped. And this is Lee freaking Harrington, you know, mm -hmm. the author, the shaman, the, all these other, you know, all these other titles. Um, and, uh, and, and he would just stop and just, talk to you, you know, and mm -hmm. do stuff. And, and so many, so many people in rope are like that. Um, at least in my experience, it was when I was learning. And so there's so much more easy access to education and to learning about things. Uh, that is, that is one of the good things. Um, I believe that along with that, there is possibly more clicks than there used to be. Okay. Um, because, you know, back when, like pre-ShibariCon, it was like there's a kink event, there's Kinky College in Chicago, and then off in one corner, or maybe if we're lucky, in a room, there is a, um, oh, and I just thought of what my favorite rope scene is. Brilliant. I just thought what it was. Um, off in one room, they might have a room that they would call the rope room, which would have one or two suspension frames mm -hmm. and um, a Zen flute soundtrack playing because you know we're rope people and obviously we like zen stuff yeah uh, you know that that used to be the way it is now you know there is and i made that joke earlier about we're from the same lineage but there is that kind of you know oh 
I see from your TK that you learned from Otanawa, yeah. you know, whereas I learned from Aristotle and I know more, you know, than you do. And I will now or... challenge you to a rope duel to the death. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, ropes at dawn. Exactly. Um, boy, that would be a good, uh, like, you know, 30 feet at dawn, something like that. <laughs> you need to um, write that story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was something that that feels like that's gotten a little bit more. And to some extent, the gatekeeping uh, has gotten a little bit worse in, and I'll, I will specify, I believe it's gotten worse in that respect in the heterosexual rope community, because I believe not positive because I am only a uh, occasional visitor and a guest there, mm-hmm. but within the queer rope community, I think that there is much less gatekeeping okay. in terms of that, that you're going to find people who are much more about just, I'm just going to do stuff. Also a whole lot more self, uh, self bondage, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more self suspension. And I, um, will say that I think some of that goes because of the fact that people are getting wise to the fact that there's those, there's a whole lot more awareness of um, consent violations. Mm. Um, I don't have, we don't have any kind of way to really do statistics. So I can't sit here and say what I want to say, which would be that there are fewer consent violations, but I believe there is more awareness of them. Um, and so some people are just saying, just, they're just noping out of it and saying, I'm just going to tie myself up. I, I want to do rope, but you know, it's going to take a while for me to actually find someone who I trust to do stuff. That's the other thing, though. Um, and I think possibly the one regret that I have, which is uh, that while we were in that wild west of learning suspension and things like that, mm-hmm. um, we have discovered the hard way um, that this is a cumulative stress injury kind of thing. Um, and that nerve damage, you know, is, is not just sometimes, I would say permanent, but it is long-term, yep. but it can also be, you know, you can be fine for the first five suspensions and do everything the same way over the next 20 and end up with an injury because the stress is cumulative. Absolutely. Uh, and we did not know that then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, a uh, it was sort of like um, in any ex- it's an extreme sport and in any extreme sport, people start out and they start to discover that better you can take better safety precautions. Yeah. But usually you find that out because so many people get injured. Yeah. Um, so so that is uh, that is another big change. Um, uh, the other thing I find um, is that there's there's. <laughs> you find it a lot more spaces. Um, and I will tell you, there is a current show on um, Netflix called The Imperfects. Yeah. And in episode three of The Imperfects, they have to tie up one of these characters. And he makes a comment about, wow, you don't usually find people who know how to do a double coin knot series. <laughs> and... Um, the other person makes a crack about, you know, scouting or something. And they're like, ah, scouting doesn't teach Kim Baku. And I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Now, admittedly, it's set in Seattle. So okay. it makes sense they would know about Kim Baku there. 
but I was just like, wow, this is a freak. You know, this is like the number three series on Netflix. Yeah. And they're mentioning Kim Baku. And that never would have happened. How far along we have come. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Great. For our listeners uh, who would like to know more about what you're doing currently, what, what is the best way to connect with you? Any social media, any books coming out soon, anything <laughs> like that? No, leave me alone. All right. Um, <laughs> On your porch with your cigar and a good book. Exactly. Uh, Can so they send I am... you cigars? Yes, by all okay. means, send me cigars. I will, I will have, actually, I, I, I cannot say that. I used to say, yes, send me cigars. My friend who I mentioned is in Thailand. Um, he, uh, he basically gave me all of his cigars before he left for his gallivanting around Asia. Hmm. And um, I have more cigars than I have ever had in my life. Okay. <laughs> I have barely made a dent in them. Um, so I can't, I can't say that. Uh, but I, I do, like I said, I, I'm doing more art now yeah. uh, and writing. Um, so you can find a lot of my writing on Medium uh, under Gray Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then also I do uh, lettering under Creative Gray Visual on Instagram. Okay. And... I also do uh, pinups and other kinds of more graphic art um, on uh, Great Answers Instagram. Okay, we'll link um, to all of that in the show yeah. notes for this episode. So, so yeah, so that, that's basically that's the stuff I'm doing now. I'm definitely still creating. Um, I'm just creating different stuff now. Of course. And less of doing it more for my own edification and less for the uh, attention horror side of things. Okay, it's uh, it's a really beautiful story arc, and I'm I'm so glad we got to uh, hear it today uh, on on the Rob podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Gray. My pleasure. Thank you. So that's all from us at the Rob podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, and also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rob Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to Rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FedLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.